0: Welcome back to another episode of the Unfiltered Woman of Faith podcast. I am your host, Darian Modalise, and I am so excited for today's episode. If you are all caught up, then you know that our theme for this season, which is season two, is the road to rediscovery, where I am rediscovering who I am as a woman of faith. And I'm highlighting some of the key moments in my life that has led up to where I am today. And as you can see on the screen, if you are watching us on YouTube, we have our lovely co-host with us today, my good sis, Jade. Say hey to the people, Jade, and introduce yourself. Feel free to plug any information you want and just let us know what you expect to provide in today's episode.
1: All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Jade. Um... I would just like to say thank you so much for allowing me to come on here and be a part of this rediscovery process. It's going to be amazing. I can already tell. Um, but yeah, like I said, my name is Jade. Um, I also have a podcast, um, which you can watch on, I believe, on YouTube and on most Podcast platforms. Um, It's called Deep Rooted Podcast. And I basically talk about all the deep rooted issues within humanity. um, And I allow God's word to shed light on those things. I am also doing another thing that a lot of people don't know about. Darian doesn't even know about yet, but I'm starting a YouTube channel um, for myself. um, And I will be talking about my life just being myself and doing beauty and fashion and vlogs and stuff. And so you guys are actually going to be the first people to hear about that because I haven't even said anything yet. Um, But yeah, and on today's episode, I hope to bring light to um, just the amount of um, love that is shed through God's version of staying abstinent and how much... um, it can affect you um, as a human to be abstinent, like to just not engage in in sex or anything in that manner um, and how much of a difference there is between those who do and don't. So, yeah, as well as my own testimony um, with that. So, yeah.
0: Yes. Well, thank you, Jay. First of all, okay, <laughs> the podcast <laughs> is really good already. <laughs> okay. And then now she's coming on YouTube and she's adding her own little personal elements with beauty and her lifestyle. I mean, just you look know. at her. Can we get into the beat, <laughs> the face, the hair, <laughs> all of that. Okay, So make sure that after this episode, um, whenever she decides to launch, I'll try to put her information like in the description, just her personal email or her personal Instagram, whatever she has. Make sure y'all are plugged into what jade is doing in the future okay because you'll see once you get into the episode that she really <laughs> is a gem and that she's going to be oh, dropping all you. of the things so we're excited for what god has for you jade um and we're just happy that you know unfiltered woman of faith got the exclusive you know <laughs> uh, launch <laughs> of of new youtube so yes. that's really exciting but okay, so as you, um, as I mentioned earlier, and as you can probably see by the title, we are talking about living an abstinence lifestyle in a hypersexual society. Um, this is something that I feel like is more prevalent even in today's society. Like this is something that definitely needs to be discussed more among believers or just among people in general. Um, I understand that everyone doesn't choose to live the abstinence lifestyle, and that's fine, but I still think that um, we can do a better job as representatives of the church um, of supporting believers, and so that's my main goal of today's episode, um, is to just be real and have candid conversation, share um, our testimony, share our journey, and some of the struggles that we have with abstinence, and um, And just to create that support or that community for people who may be on the fence about um, being abstinent or who are choosing to live abstinent lifestyles. Yes. So, um, as you know, if you are a regular listener, we have a segment called Help a Sister Out. But now we have changed the name to Help D Help You. To include our brothers, Um, you know, I wasn't really aware that I had male listeners and we don't have many, (laughs) but we do have a few. And so I would like to include them as well. I don't want them to be left out in this segment. In this segment, um, I always ask questions on my Instagram or give scenarios for you guys to answer just so um, you feel like you are a part of the podcast and that you're participating and that you're able to get the support and the guidance that you need in the best way that I can provide it. So for this episode, I asked a series of questions. Um, but before we get into that, I just want us to kind of talk about our abstinence journey, like how we even got to this, if this is something that we've been doing all of our lives, um, if this is something that we just decided to start doing, kind of just how um it started and I don't know if you want to start Jade you can go as deep as you want as surface level as you want um but the main goal is just to share um how you started your abstinence journey and where you are now why you decided to do it that type of thing
1: yeah so okay so I would probably say, first of all, when I was an adolescent, I had no relationship. Nobody was interested (laughs) in me. Um, So there was no sex or anything of that sort um, there. Um, I was exposed, though, to masturbation, though, as a child um, and like pornography as a child. So that was definitely something that like, if anything, I was doing that, but I wasn't having like sexual encounters with. Um, other people. And that was definitely a struggle um, for me until very recently. And then um, as far as it goes with other people, I got into a relationship my freshman year of college, and obviously we were having sex. And um, I was not even practicing my faith. I was actually um not even sure if I wanted to believe in God anymore. And it wasn't even necessarily because I had bad experiences or anything. It was just like, I haven't seen any fruit from like believing in God. Like, and so it was kind of just like, okay, well, I'm just not, (laughs) you know, even though I had, um, because I grew up in the church, my mom is a PK, um, and my other grandfather, um, he um went to Bible school. So like my family is like heavily in the quote unquote Christian realm. And so um pushing that idea of waiting till marriage was kind of something that was like looming because I knew about it. Um, and I would go to church and I would hear about it, but it was never something that my family was just like, Oh, you have to do this. And um, uh, my mom was kind of just like, Look, if you're gonna have sex, like at least like, you know, use protection and whatnot. Um and so I got into that relationship. I was having sex. And um, then towards the end of that relationship is when I had an encounter with God, uh, which is a part of my uh, my testimony, which is very long. But uh, I had an encounter with God. and He basically told me to break up with the person that I was with. Um, and I did. And that's when it really began. And that was around like last year. And I. Um, I, because I had that foreknowledge of knowing that God wants us to wait till till marriage, I was kind of just like, okay, I'm going to do it. But I didn't know why until I started to dive into like relationship and marriage and in Michael Todd's um, series about relationship Mm -hmm. goals and stuff really helped to like shed light on that because um, I hadn't like, my thing is kind of like with God, like. I follow him because I know that he's real and that he's true. And so I don't really question what he says a lot of the time or what Mm -hmm. it says in the word because, and, and it's just not in my nature to question God. Like if I question God, then like, (laughs) like I am just like crazy to question the being that knows all things and does all things and is all things like, Mm -hmm. um, so i just never questioned it but i did want to know why because i know that people and when i go out into the world and i'm talking to people about my testimony they are going to ask me um those things um and so then i continued on to my abstinence abstinence journey and then i got into a relationship last year the end of last year um and we were also we were both waiting until marriage um but being abstinent and being in a relationship is the weirdest thing. Um, And it's the trickiest thing because there's a lot of temptation um, in every realm of the relationship. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to do is to fall into temptation and then feel condemnation and stuff like that. Um, And so that was different. And then that ended. And now here I am a single again and um, re-exploring that and re-evaluating um, what it means to be abstinent. And it's been good, but I think it's a process that really just grows the more that like I'm deeper in it. So because it's only been like a year and some change, like I've mm-hmm. learned so much, but I know that there's so much more that I'm going to learn. Because if you talk to somebody who's like been abstinent for like six years, they'll probably yeah. tell you a way different um, story or experience than I am um and I'm excited for what that's going to look like hopefully I don't have to be absent for that long for six Hello. years <laughs> but but if I have to lord please um if I have to then you know it is what it is. but yeah that's that's really been my journey so far that is so great I have
0: so many follow-up questions but we're gonna come back to that <laughs> okay. um so for me um I'll I'll be honest like being abstinent was never a part of the plan for me <laughs> <laughs> I it, it was just nothing That's that nice. I thought about really um even though I did grow up in church um my church they didn't like we didn't get the messages all the time like you shouldn't be having sex at all like sex is dangerous dah, dah, dah. like all the the stuff that um the cliche like church churchy things we didn't have that in my church um I remember like when I was a teenager like 13 we had a youth group and we had one conversation about um sex and it was mainly just about like you know SUDs staying protected um some of the youth leaders did mention like you know of course it's better not to have it at all until you're married um some of them did open up about um them like being on an abstinence journey but it wasn't something that was like ingrained into my head And also like in my church growing up, I saw a lot of people have, you know, children out of wedlock or Mm. I just knew people like outside of the church and I knew what was going on. Like I knew what they were doing, whether it would be from school or social media or whatever. And so my perspective was, um, as long as I don't get pregnant before I'm married, then you know nobody has to know or it's fine like because Mm -hmm. everybody is doing it Mm -hmm. um and then as far as like my parents are concerned we never had a conversation at all really about sex um the only thing that my mom like would say to me if somebody around my age were to get pregnant she would be like you could try it if you want to, but uh, (laughs) I don't know like where you and the baby are going to stay, like just little stuff like that. But it was never like you should wait until marriage or this is what I did type of thing. So abstinence was never a part of the plan. Um, Mm. And I feel like the reason why I didn't have sex in high school was for one, I was not getting pregnant in high school. That was not happening. So it was out of fear of that. Um, And just because I, the opportunity didn't really present itself. Like there were people who, of course, I knew that's what they wanted, or they would tell me that that's what they wanted. People that I was having little situationships, that's what it was. But my parents were also not playing that. Like you're not going over to everybody's house and all that stuff. So the opportunity just never presented itself. And then when I got to college, I thought, okay, <laughs> this is party time. Like we about to be lit. It's about to be a whole buffet of men out here. Like, you know, I'm just waiting to find my one and it's going to be on and cracking, but that's not what happened either. God mm. got to me real quick. Freshman <laughs> year, he, he presented BCM and was like, you're going to be a leader and this is what it is. And for the first time, um, Like in college was when I was being convicted about um, sex in general, Mm -hmm. whether it be masturbation, pornography, or just seeing things around me um, that were super sexual. It would make me really uncomfortable when it it didn't at first. Um, Or if I was going to even think about doing something, I would have a dream about somebody being pregnant or that I was pregnant or the conviction would just really be strong. And so I tried to fight it like this is just in my head or I tried to put like little parameters. Well, then I just won't have sex until I'm in a committed relationship or I'll see if I'm with this person for a year. And that was cool, but none of the situations that I was in ended up in a relationship and none Mm. of the situations that I was in ended up in a year. So it was like every parameter that I tried to set, God was just like, no, no, there's no half doing this, there's no shortcuts like you just you need to get it together and for pretty much my whole college year, it wasn't something that I was searching for, but I was not trying to commit to being abstinent like mm-hmm. at all um and it wasn't until actually like right before the pandemic hit um one of my close friends um we were like on this this journey together of um waiting until marriage but she actually ended up losing her virginity and I was just like whoa like it I don't know why it shocked me so bad but it it just really shook me like this was like the only person that I was kind of like holding on to it with like okay you know we're in this together and she's not gonna break like she's definitely stronger than I am like this was her goal from the beginning. Um, But when that happened, I was just like, okay. And then seeing all of the things that she went through after that, Mm. like just the turmoil in her head or like the guilt. Mm. I was like, okay, this is not something that I want. And I need to make sure that if I make this vow that I have to do anything possible to keep it. And so that's when I really just started trying to find other ways to um, express that. And I feel like talking about it helps um, a little bit more. Like I'm always on social media, posting a meme about something (laughs) in regards (laughs) to that. Or now I'm like doing this podcast episode and finding more people like yourself. Um, And then even when we did like BCM, for y'all who don't know BCM stands for black campus ministries. It was a group that I was a part of in college um, and, Like when I became a leader and it was like when I was the president, we started having this conversation for the first time about sex and sexuality. And that was something that we never did before. So I think um, where I am now, I understand that, you know, of course, there's no half doing no shortcutting with God. So it's either I'm going to stick to being abstinent or I'm not. Um, And God has revealed to me the consequences of not sticking to that um I feel like it's not a coincidence why every time I think about falling I have a dream about somebody being pregnant or I find out that somebody is pregnant because God is clearly showing me that that's gonna happen to you as soon as you decide to um, engage in Dang. that so that's just really what I feel um in my heart and like I said, the conviction is just so heavy and so strong. So where I am now, I'm just trying to stay near the cross (laughs) as they say, um, and just trying to explore like other reasons as to why, like God may be calling me specifically to it. God calls everybody who is a believer to abstinence, which we'll get into that later, but why I feel the conviction, um, so heavy Hmm. there's, I know there's things tied to that obedience, um, of course, with generational curses as well, Absolutely. but just diving deeper into what that means and what is actually tied to my obedience.
1: Yeah, that is, wow. That's, first of all, that's amazing. Um, I don't think my conviction is as hard as yours. I don't think I've had dreams <laughs> about being pregnant or anything like that, um, Yeah, definitely the generational curse things um, is real, like is super real. um, And it brings a whole nother level of like spiritual warfare to that we go through. So that's probably another level of your mm-hmm. conviction because you're not even just wearing the belt of abstinence for yourself. You're wearing it for the generations to come. Like these demons will literally be loose the minute that you are married and you're able to like have sex in a covenant in the way that God has envisioned. And um, that's a big burden to carry. But like God said, like the Bible says, like uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And mm-hmm. like, It's so amazing that we embody that. Like, we carry that, like, the weight, like... I know, like, you know, there are men on this journey as well, but as women, like, we are bearers of life. Like, we bring life into the earth. And so, not only are we bringing it life into the earth physically, but in the spirit realm as well when we choose to be abstinent. And so, Mm -hmm. I think that's so amazing. Um, I think that's a, I hope. The Lord doesn't convict me as hard <laughs> as my journey grows um with having dreams. Cause I probably he knows me. So that's probably why I haven't had dreams like that. Because he'll just talk to me and be like, you know, you're not supposed to do that. I'd be like, Yeah, no. <laughs> be like, yeah, I yeah, know. And I'm just like, dang. And then I'll keep thinking about it. I'll be like, fine, you know, so but that's amazing. I I love that. And I'm really excited for, um, the moment when, you know, we meet the one or our kingdom spouse or whatever. And like, we're able to talk about our journeys, like in a different level, you know, and really like be the standing platform for like our kids and their grandkids and, and stuff like that. And like my parents, uh, they had me and my brother, and my sister at a wedlock, um, and my mom's parents did, but my gran- my dad's parents did not. They actually waited um, mm-hmm. until marriage till to get married and, I mean, to have my father, who was their first child. Um, and sometimes I think about that, and I don't think about the heaviness that there is to that. Like, one side of my family has although like the demon has obviously risen back up and the spiritual warfare has coming back because of my father's doings, there's grace and mercy for him. But now like, you know, I'm the next one up. And then, um, specifically like for my mom's, um, side of the family, I know that there's a lot of warfare, um, that comes with that. Um, and, I mean, I'm I'm down for the count, and I know that God has created us definitely to um, be bearers of these things, and know that we can do these things too.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I think that it's it's kind of like ironic that um, God has I'm not gonna say why well, I'm gonna say has like chosen this generation to kind of carry so much on their back like even people who aren't believers like we're just this radical generation not comparing it to like our ancestors during like civil rights time but it's it's very similar to that like I'm very out here putting myself out here making sure that um, I'm fighting for what my parents have to go through, what my grandparents have to go through so that the next generation does not have to go through that in all types of capacity. I think that that is probably why we have so much going on in the world now because the devil just knows like this is a generation that's not playing any games, Mm -hmm. um, especially the ones who are believers, like they're really going Mm -hmm. hard for God. And so I'm going to try to Hit them with everything that I have, and so I'm just grateful to be a part of a generation that is like this—a generation of believers who um, are really standing firm. But yeah, the death is definitely trying it <laughs> these days. I
1: would absolutely, agree. absolutely heavier than we think.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so on um my IG, I'm looking down at my notes. Um, I asked a few questions. One of the questions that I asked was what has you on the fence when it comes to committing to abstinence? And so um, we have a few responses. I'm just going to read like a few and then we can talk about um, if we like resonate with that in any way. Um, Yeah. So the first one is temptation and self-control. Um, wanting attention,
1: hmm.
0: being starved of physical satisfaction and pressure hmm. from the media in today's society. Hmm. The one that I really want, um, the two that I really want to talk about is wanting attention and pressure from the media slash today's society. Have you ever experienced any of those things when it comes to your abstinence journey, like, um, or before you decided to commit to your abstinence journey, was any of those things like a hindrance or worrisome for
1: you? Oh, yeah. So definitely um, pressure from, like, the media um, and culture. Um, We live in a hypersexual society. Um, without a doubt. And it's probably grown in the past five years um, that I've noticed. A lot of people think and believe that it was kind of already like this, but definitely not to the levels that it is now. Um, and before I started my abstinence journey, um, I loved Megan the Stallion. I loved Megan the Stallion. <laughs> like, I was a hot girl. Like, it was nobody's business. Um, and I didn't realize the effects of her music had on me. Um, the same with um, Beyonce and like Rihanna. And those are some of the people that the Lord has given me convictions on not listening to anymore or not listening to certain songs. I don't listen to Megan wow. Thee Stallion at all. Um, I don't even really listen to Beyonce like that. and Rihanna... I don't even really listen to her like that anymore. And it's like my desires has changed. And uh, But before I was like fiending, like it was just like, and it gave me this motivation and I didn't realize how much it had an effect on me and my sexuality and like uh, performing and all those types of things and in the way that I danced and whatnot, like all of those things like play into an account. And then when I started my abstinence journey, Um, I realized that when I stopped listening to them, how much I had changed from not doing those things or acting in those ways or having those thoughts about sex and and stuff or and definitely just not having sex anymore in general. And um, I quickly realized that they were connected, um, that one affected the other. And I was a little annoyed by that. Uh, because for a long time, I affect, I defended the fact that it didn't affect me or that it had no effect on me. And then, um, when I started my abstinence journey, I realized that it was the main thing that was affecting me. Mm. Uh, our eyes and our ears are like gates to our souls, and like I didn't realize the influence of that. And my mom would tell me that all the time, but like I didn't. I was just like, eh, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, But now I'm here. I'm like, oh, um, this is actually (laughs) kind of true. Um, And so living in that and knowing um, now I have more of a boldness to say and to do and to know that like I'm not having sex. I'm not entertaining anything in that realm. Um, and I'm okay with that. I've made peace with that um, because I know that there's something greater on the other side of that, but living in a society that is um, like that, it puts a hindrance on me and um, in interacting with some people or, or um, watching certain things or listening to certain music. And like, I'm a very creative person. I'm a very musical person. I love mm-hmm. music. Um, and that's why I was listening to the artists that I did before. And plus, the power and like they, they made me feel, uh, but knowing those things are not good for me anymore. um, It makes me a little sad from time to time, but now that I listened, I listened back to them and I've been on this journey and just being on this journey with God in general, it's made me realize how much it means so little, like how much it is so unnecessary. Like I really don't need it. Um, And even when I listen to the music, I'm like, ugh. This is what I was (laughs) like, this is what I'm listening to. Like, it's like this, like blindness has come off of me. Um, and, um, but yeah. And it makes me kind of sometimes feel like the odd one out too, when I'm in certain groups or in certain realms, because we're called to the culture, we're called to the unbelievers. Um, and they are interacting with these things. They're, you know, doing whatever, performing these things, listening to these artists and whatnot. Um, and it makes it a little difficult, but I also give them some grace because some of them don't really don't know any better. You know, they Uh didn't grow up with God or they didn't um, have a religious background or anything like that. Um, And so I give them grace for that. And I know that God will give them grace for those things too, and mercy for those things. But they also have to understand that there are consequences to those actions. Um, And so that's where I come in, you know, and I allow them to understand like, this is what God has called me to do, and it's not just for me, it's also for you. Um, and then with the attention thing, ugh, child. <laughs> that, <laughs> that one is a deep one, um, especially if you struggle with trauma, um, and just like not having that validation from, um, your family or your mom or your dad specifically, um, it can definitely put a hindrance on you and make you desire those things more. But for myself, I didn't really desire sex, um, when it came to that, I just desired, um, being seen, I guess, and being heard. And so, but when I was not in my, building my relationship with God, those things were like being mixed up. And so I thought that, if I was being seen and being her, that also means that I was being desired. And then that also means that I'm being desired sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would give into those things a lot easier thinking that it would be a void that could fill me or could feel this subconscious desire that I had. And in reality it was, it was never going to do that. And it, if anything, it made me feel more empty and, um, and i still struggle with seeking male mm-hmm. validation we live in a world where women are hypersexualized in general um and the male gaze is like the best thing in the world but um mm-hmm. in reality it's really not it really doesn't mean anything and um the best gaze is God's and I want his eyes to be on me. Um, And that sounds like mad corny, but like it it is the (laughs) truth, you know, and um, it's taken a long time to get there. And I'm still working through that because there are times where I just feel like God is not going to fill this void. I need something else that will do that. And that is a lie from the enemy telling me that I don't need God or that I don't need God to fill this void for me or that he can. Um, And, And I'm still working through that, like I said. Um, But it is different for everybody. Like I said, trauma plays a big part into that. And then society also plays a big part into that too. But um, I know through God, like all things like work together and all of these things will come together um, and you will... Or excuse me, I will experience that peace and that love that, um, you know, I've been desiring and searching for for a long time. But I feel for those um, who do not know God and are trying to fill that void because, um, you know, they get caught, they fish for the first thing that comes to them. And then they, when they catch it, it's just like, oh, like, this is it. This is, you know, and then settling comes in and all that mm-hmm. other kind of stuff. And then they, re- they get hurt. And then it's like the end of the world, you know. And yeah. it's so sad to see, uh, especially being on the other side. And that doesn't mean that I don't struggle with those things. Um, it definitely just means that I have a different perspective because God has given me wisdom and knowledge mm-hmm. about um, these things and how to go about them so um yeah it's definitely hard um it's definitely hard living this life and 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 functioning in this society and and not functioning out of trauma but i think that um that it's doable to not do those things and mm-hmm. i think that's where you and i come in and and um, we help and and we make mistakes and stuff. But at the yeah. end of the day, we're always striving to be, be better and be bigger than those things.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I love that, um, especially just what you were saying about um, those who just simply don't know or they don't know, like, God for themselves. I definitely can understand that. Like, I've definitely been there before, even though I've grown up in church my whole life. Um, Like I always said that um, I didn't know, I hadn't experienced God for myself until I got to college. Um, My belief in God was just based on what I saw him do for others or what I heard other people say. And so I I feel like that's why I wasn't convicted in a lot of the things um, that I ended up being convicted or that I'm convicted with now because I just didn't have that connection. It wasn't Um, something that I experienced firsthand. And so I definitely do pray um, for those who are struggling with that. um, And I hope that they gain the desire to want to have that connection with God because it really is life changing. And I just can't even imagine what life would be without it. Yes. Um, But to go back to what we were talking about um, with wanting attention, when somebody put that, um, as to like why that had them on the fence, it really like the light bulb went off in my head because I didn't think about it in that way. But, um, hearing them say that I'm like, yeah, that's definitely something that I can relate to because I can even remember like back in middle school. So like I, in elementary school, I was really nerdy. Like I thought guys had cooties like that wasn't really what I was <laughs> focused on and then when I got to middle school it was like a whole new world because you know they start having facial hair they were taller mm-hmm. they had the athletic build so I'm just like okay you know um and then that's when I like for the first time experienced somebody like saying that They wanted me sexually. Mm. And so I equated that with, oh, they want me. Mm. And so um, after that, if a guy wasn't coming at me in that way, like saying that they wanted to hit or whatever, then I didn't think that they wanted me like that Mm. or that they didn't think that I, or that I wasn't getting that attention that I needed. Mm. And that carried on into like, relationships in high school and in college, I felt like, well, we don't have to do it, but we could at least talk about it. Like I at least want to know mm-hmm.
1: that you
0: want me in that way. Mm-hmm. But that was something that was just feeding the desire even more. Because mm-hmm. if you can't after you talk about it a certain amount of times, it's just like okay, so is it gonna happen or not? Yeah. Like it, it really doesn't make sense. Like it, it continues to feed the flesh, but I equate that now to needing that validation or wanting the attention. Um, And honestly, I have not encountered a guy yet um, who has approached me in a different way, but Mm. now my, um, my appetite for that has changed. Like that's not something that I desire anymore. And I always say that when I just look back on, the people that I gave my attention to because of that, it literally makes me sick to my stomach. Like it's like cr- cringy to me, mm. not because they're bad people, but it's just like the space that I was in at that time, like thinking that this man wanted me so bad when really that wasn't it. He just wanted mm-hmm. what I could give him. Mm. Um, And so that was something that really like stuck with me, that whole wanting attention. And I can understand how, that can be hard because we want that validation like we want to feel wanted especially as a church girl like i don't know about you but like being a church girl is not hot like the guys are not <laughs> checking for they're not checking for the church girls um but they haven't met the church girls of this generation because you know yeah. we're out here and we're, right. we're Yes, we don't have the skirts all the way down to our ankles. You know, we're we're out there <laughs> showing a little leg, okay? For the people. <laughs> so, um, but in the past, like you know, guys weren't checking for church girls, and yeah, some of them still aren't, which is okay. But yeah, there are a lot who are now, and so yeah, that you know, wanting attention, it really, it really is not important anymore. Yeah. Like I said, as long as God sees you, like the reward will come as long as he sees you, you, you're not going to get any type of benefits from anybody else seeing you really. Yeah. Um, So I thought that that was important. And then the pressure from media in today's society, I, I don't think I was pressured like by the society to um, have sex, but more so um, I felt the pressure of like, not thinking that there were many men out here who were willing to wait or um, Mm. who are waiting. And so I felt the pressure to conform in that way and not Mm. live the abstinence lifestyle because it's like, no man is going to want to wait for that. Or um, they may say that they're going to wait, but then they're going to try to do everything that they can to make you bend. So that was kind of like the pressure that I felt, but, as of recently I have been seeing quite a few men actually I don't know them personally but I've been seeing quite a few men like on social media who are very open and open about their abstinence journey um and that's just really good to see because it just validates the fact that um I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and that there's people out here that are for you like you don't yeah. have to conform and bend to what you feel like is more acceptable in society because that doesn't matter again like yeah it's what is acceptable in God's eyes and what in the lifestyle that he has for you so yeah, yeah I'm never really feeling pressure for that but also knowing that like I am getting older I'm only 22 but like we're adult adults now so it's <laughs> like it's a little it's a little bit different than like you know a teenager waiting to have sex like now yeah. we're we're with grown men who could possibly have had, like, I don't know how many experiences before us or um, are just used to living life a certain way. So I think that that also is added pressure as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that with men in general, like, I do know men who are abstinent, um, but they are not as bold or they don't, talk about it as much. And I think that brings in the pressure from social media and, um, all that kinds of stuff, because, because they're like under wraps about it, that brings Mm -hmm. more light to the men who are not, you know, and it makes it look like, oh, there's, there's not many. And maybe I just need to do it because, you know, nobody's going to want to be with me, but that's not true, you know? And like, you know, I got into a relationship before I even knew that, um, There were men out there who wanted to be abstinent, you know, like I was going strong. I was hard, like hard hitting. Like the minute me and my ex-boyfriend like went out on our first date, like I asked him what were his intentions with me and he told me. And then I was just like, okay, well, this is what I need. This is what I want. um, And it's going to look like what God wants. And if you don't want that, then, you know, you could just take me home right now, you know, like that's fine. Like period. And, And that's exactly how I said it too. And he was just like, that's funny that you said that because that's exactly what I want. And it kind of like opened up my eyes to understanding that there were really men out there who like did these things or wanted these things. And then his parents were the same way, like they did the same thing. And he told me that and he was like you know, I want to reflect what my parents had. And I didn't realize, like, I literally had no idea that there were really men out here who were Mm -hmm. trying to live this life, you know? And even if they had had sex before, whatever, now they've chosen to be abstinent now. And that's what's important. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just think that there needs to be another level of boldness for that. But I also yes. think that the more that women are more bold about it, the more that men will feel comfortable coming forward about those things. And it, because like for myself, like, I don't talk about it unless people tell me if I'm or people ask me if I'm honest or I'm Mm -hmm. interested in somebody or anything like that. If we're not talking about it in that way, then then I'm not talking about it, you know, because personally, I don't believe that it's any. I don't believe it's any of your business, you know what I'm doing or what I'm not doing, you know, Mm -hmm. or if there's if there's a conversation about it, then I'll mention it. But um, I think men even struggle with doing that you know, if there's a conversation about it. They're kind of like more quiet kept, like they don't even want to say anything about it. And so um, I think that they are definitely out there. Uh, but like I said, they, they're living under a rock or they're trying to, you know, keep, I I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know, but I'm almost positive that they just don't feel comfortable in that way. And so that's where you and I come in and, you know, have these conversations. And I think even in small groups in the church or even with our friends, you know, like just a, cause you never know what could change or what could happen. Like you mm-hmm. never know who you're going to meet or who you're going to impact when we have these conversations about abstinence or, um, or just being bold enough to say, I'm not having sex or, you know, even when it comes to dating and, and whatnot, like you saying that, and maybe that person is just like, Oh, I'm not interested in you anymore. Like, we're planting a seed still in them like yeah. like just literally just saying it is opening up the door for god to come in and do whatever he's going to do or open up the door for other women to come in and do the same thing so i think that is very important and i don't think we need to be discouraged because <laughs> they're out
0: there so yeah yeah i agree um i did have a question for you um yes, you ma'am. mentioned being in a relationship and actually being abstinent, like in that relationship, when did you like bring up the conversation of the fact that you were abstinent? Like, did you wait until you guys started talking about sex or was it just like,
1: this is what it is? Like, did you lead with it? Like, how did it go? So I was like, talking to him and, like, building friendship with him for about, like, four months, four or five months, and we had never had a conversation about any of this stuff um, in any way, shape, or form. Like, it was literally just, like, friendly. Um, then when he came back, because he was out of state, he came back, and uh, we met up. Um, like I said, I asked him about his intentions with me, And what he wanted. And he told me like, you know, I'm not really one to like date around and date everybody. I date with intention. You know, I Mm -hmm. date to marry. And so if that is the case with you, I hope to marry you one day. And I was like, "Whoa, oh, yes." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, like this is different." And then um that same night, um we had the conversation and I just told him blatantly that like I'm not having sex and you know, and he understood. And he was like, "I'm not having sex either." And I was just like, "Okay, bet." And so um, I would go to his house and um, we would be in the room like kind of just like hanging out or we would cuddle like a little bit or whatever because like I know – Like, now that I've been in the relationship and I understand, like, I know where my limit is. And so sometimes his mom would, like, you know, be a little concerned that we would have sex and stuff. And it would be really frustrating to me because I was kind of just, like, I had to, like, if anything, I had to lay it down for her. Like, we are not doing anything. Like, this is not happening. Like, I need you to understand, (laughs) like, I care about myself enough to know that this is not happening and she was just like okay and like with him it was kind of just like he respected that like he respected the fact that I did not want to have sex though there were many temptations um for these things to happen he also understood that I did not want to do that and I felt uncomfortable doing that and um it kind of just it kind of just ended like that and went like that and um like there was no struggle or no push to do it or anything like that. It was just like, no, you don't want to do that. And so that's okay. Like I respect that. And like, I know that there are men out there who like are not like that, who they're like, yeah, 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 no, yeah, we don't have to have sex. And then the next minute they're like, you know, like they're Uh like trying to get in your pants and it's just like, I didn't, I was so blessed to not have that experience because I probably would have been like heartbroken and just like, just like discouraged, you know, because Mm -hmm. like there is this facade in, in men where they're just like, oh, I'm not going to do this. And then they end up, you know, trying to like, you know, make you do that. And, um, that was, that was not my experience. So I'm really thankful about that. And, and, and
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I asked the question just because like, um, I know for me, I haven't been in like what I consider a real relationship. All of these things have been situationships. Um, <laughs> and then before like me really committing to abstinence, um, I haven't like entertained anyone with that. So, um, just wondering like how you would approach that or how you did approach that is helpful to me so yeah I hope that is helpful to you all too who are listening and may have some like reservations about yeah you know dating in this while living the abstinence lifestyle
1: yeah and I think that well for me I think it was not right for me to come out on the first day we were like hanging out in person and saying mm-hmm. that But I was just like, I need to get this off my chest. Like, I need this to be known now so I don't waste Mm -hmm. no time. You know what I'm saying? But I also think that, like, You know, not putting the pressure on men to to like conform to what you want and really just feeling them out and seeing who they are and then making your decision or seeing if the conversations even lead that way. And then bringing that up is a lot more better is a lot better than, you know, just coming out and being like, I'm not having sex, you know, because, (laughs) you know, men can get the wrong um um, vision or you know the wrong intel about you and that's not what that's not what you want you know because your relationship is not just about having sex it's about like building connection and seeing if we if our purposes flow together and we can like build a life and and God's kingdom together
0: yeah definitely I definitely agree okay so we're gonna go into um, the next question before we go into our next segment So the next question was, what are some challenges you face as it pertains to abstaining? And two answers that I received were loving myself before others and staying true to the abstinence journey because I used to be in the world. So what are our thoughts about
1: both of those? Staying abstinent. What was the answer? It was staying abstinent until... Staying true to the abstinence journey because I used to be in the world. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That's that. I I don't know. What do
0: you think? So for me, I am a virgin. Like I have not had intercourse um, before. But I have had other sexual encounters. You can read between the lines. We will not <laughs> for details. And so I think that any exposure to sex, whether it be through masturbation, through pornography, through whatever, um, it really feeds your flesh and it starts an appetite that you probably didn't even know. Was yeah. there and so whenever you are um participating in any of those things when you try to stop it's just like a drug or anything else it can become addictive very quickly and I feel like it's really hard to cut that part or cut that appetite off completely after you've already started to feed it yeah. and so um I think for me, because like I hadn't had intercourse, I don't know if it it matters, but because I haven't, I hadn't had intercourse or I just don't have that like connection to a person per se. Um, it hasn't been like that difficult for me to just cut it off, but it has been difficult to cut off that desire right now. Like I know Mm. I've, prayed and asked God like can you just please remove this desire from me because it would be very much it would just be easier like to go mm-hmm. along with the journey wasn't something that I wanted but God reminded me like I can't remove the desire because you're going to need the desire one day yeah Um. and so and he was like if it was easy like you wouldn't want to do it in the first mm-hmm. place so I think it's important that we do understand that as humans we are sexual beings and we especially this generation we have been exposed to a lot of different sexual things a lot of perverse things as well um, so it is difficult but at the same time um, try to do things that don't feed that desire so like Jade had mentioned earlier when it comes to her listening to Megan the Stallion that may not be something that convicts you but there is something that you know, get you in the mood. Everybody knows like it's either a person or it's something you hear or a memory or whatever that gets you to feel in some type of way. And so the, um, as long as you can try to avoid that or recognize that trigger, then that will definitely help. Um, but I do understand like the challenge in that area.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, The Bible says, Apostle Paul says, like, literally flee, like, run away from sexual immorality, which just goes to show how strong um, sexual desire really is. Like, it is really the strongest desire out of all of them, like, besides greed or anything like that, because um, lust is, like, is so, like, it's so easy to be fed like it needs literally nothing more than like sexual mannerisms or conversations or even like a movie that has a sex scene that's like maybe like 10 seconds like it literally Mm -hmm. needs nothing more than that and that doesn't mean um and that doesn't necessarily mean like i mean if that's your conviction then you know abstain from all of those things but i don't think that like there's a limit to these certain things. And I think that um, this is controversial, but I don't think that lust is a bad thing in a sense. Like it can be warped and be something that can be um, used for bad, like used against God's will. Um, But at the end of the day, it is something that we are exposed to. And it's something that we have in our human nature. Like it's just mm-hmm. a part of our sexual desire. um, And that's where control comes in and learning self-control and really yeah. learning your limits and what is your boundary. Like where do I draw the line and be like, okay, like this is enough or we have to stop here because this is going to lead to something else, you know, or right. it's going to lead too far and then I'm going to have these thoughts or, or whatever. Um, And it's all about like learning, like learning yourself too. So I definitely think that that is important. And um, yeah, I think that I think that um, if you have a lust issue, you need to deal with that with God definitely, yeah, because exactly. I I was one of those who had a lust issue. Um, and even in the relationship that I had, I had a lust issue. And I didn't even realize that it was me, you know, like, mm. I would literally just be like, after we had broken up, I was like, thinking about all of these things, you know, after breakup transition, whatever. And, <laughs> and I was talking to God, and he was just like, Jade, that was you. And I was just like, wow. Oh. Like, really? And he was just like, yeah. And I was just like, oh, like, you know, and that's why, you know, deliverance and fasting is also like, really important. Um, Because like, I've heard a lot of married people, I'm not married. So you know, I would know. But like, I've heard a lot of married people say like, your lust does not go away mm-hmm. after or your lust issue, whatever does not go away after you get married like if anything yeah. it grows because now you're having sex obviously under covenant but you're still involving yourself in that manner and it can grow and like you know people who have porn addictions like they um get married and they still have a porn addiction. Yeah. I was reading an article one time about like masturbation and stuff and how this guy was married and like he doesn't even desire to have sex with his wife but he would much rather like ha- watch porn and masturbate. And I'm just like whoa whoa like (laughs) that is that is a deep addiction like right Uh there and that just goes to show the impact that these things have on us um as a society as a as a being you know and living this life for god and it makes it a lot harder as the girl said from going from living in the world to being abstinent because now you've been exposed to these things and you know what it feels like, you know Mm -hmm. what it looks like, you know, what, you know, you know what it can do. And it's just like, it's so easy to just turn over and return back to those things because you already know it's already comfortable. It's just like, I've already done it one time. Why not do it again? Or why not do it a third time and stuff. And that's when self-control comes in and, and I'm, um, at my church, I was in a small group and um, we were talking about um, temptation mm. and um, my the um, prophet that was helping her, her name is Prophetess Pepta. She's amazing. She was helping us um, with learning how to control our temptations and stuff. And she was saying one thing to do is really just tell God because he already knows, you know, yeah. and God will give you the way out, even if it's just a book falling off of the shelf or uh, doorbell ringing or somebody calling you or whatever, that is your way out. Um, and being sensitive to him and really understanding, like God is going to help you through these things. Like you were made for this. We were made for this. And we do not have to give into the things that the world says is okay. Or what the devil thinks, you know, Oh, God will forgive you. or You know, whatever. It's not even about that. It's about the fact that God's, um, vision for us and what that looks like and um, what we as his children, uh, as embodyers of the gospel must do. Like when you make the vow to follow God, like, I don't think you really have a choice anymore about choosing whether you want to do this or not. Like, (laughs) yes, you have the choice and you can walk away and God, you know, do what you do. If you're going to go, you're going to go. But When you're going in, you also must choose to go in fully. Like, it's not about if, ands, or buts, or, oh, I'm just going to do this this one time, and then I'm going to come back. There is grace for you, but also understand that there are consequences to those actions. And sometimes delaying of our purpose or delaying of important relationships or not having doors opened when they need to be is because we're not prepared and that's the effects of, 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 of those actions, the consequences of those actions. So I definitely think, um, that being exposed to those things in the world and then going in and seeing it from God's perspective and living a life of abstinence is, is a lot harder than, and then what people make it out to be, but it's, yes. it's doable.
0: Yes, I would definitely agree with all of that. Um, (laughs) It's definitely harder than what it appears to be. Um, And I think too that um, just, I do want to point this out just because you may not have had sex before, I don't think that that um, minimizes the struggle at all, Um, especially just because of everything that we're seeing now in today's society, everything Mm -hmm. that's at our exposure. I think that it's so it would be easier actually to conform than it is to um, live the lifestyle that God has for us. So
1: mm-hmm. um, I
0: definitely do agree. And I would say that if this is something that you're thinking about, please think real hard about it and, <laughs> <laughs> and make sure that you consult God and everything that you do so that yes. he will be able to help you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I think that is it for that segment. So we're going to move on to the, la- the last segment, which is our cake and punch segment. As you guys know, um, this is not a Bible study, but I still want to leave you with um, some key pointers and just um, things that are directly um, associated with the world, I mean, with the word. Um I think that it was important that I got on here and discuss this because I just feel like um, the church as a whole doesn't have open and honest conversations about what it really means to live the abstinence lifestyle. Um, One, because a lot of them are not. (laughs) um, And (laughs) two, because it's just like, it takes a level of maturity to be able to sit and be honest about like some of the struggles that you have and be able to say them out loud and to be transparent with it. But I think that those conversations are needed in order for us to raise up more believers who want to live this lifestyle or who want to do anything God's way. Like There has to be a level of boldness, there has to be honesty and transparency on this whole walk of life as a Christian. And so um, one of the scriptures that like really stuck out to me and that kind of helps me on this journey is not like the cliche flee from sexual immorality because (laughs) I feel like everybody knows that, right? Even if you're not a believer, like everybody knows that this is sex is a serious thing and it's something that should be in the confines of marriage, um, so I don't think we really need to discuss that, but um, the scripture that stood out to me was first Corinthians ten eleven through twenty two I'm gonna read it. It is kind of long, but I want you to really pay attention to the words that are being said. It's from the message version. I really like this version because I feel like it just breaks it down and it leaves no room for misinterpretation because it mm. just says exactly what it is saying. So I'm going to read, these are all warning markers, danger in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end, and we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You are not exempt. Mm. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Mm. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. So my very dear friends, when you see people reducing God to something they can use or control, Get out of their company as fast as you can. I assume I'm addressing believers now who are mature. Draw your own conclusions. When we drink the cup of blessing, aren't we taking it into ourselves, the blood, the very life of Christ? And isn't it the same with the loaf of bread we break and eat? Don't we take into our bodies, don't we take into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? Because there is one loaf, Our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't become fragmented in us. Rather, we become unified in him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what he is. Mm
1: -hmm. That's
0: basically what happened even in old Israel. Those who ate the sacrifices offered on God's altar entered into God's action at the altar. Do you see the difference? sacrifices offered to idols are offered to nothing but what's the idol but a nothing or worse than nothing a minus a demon Mm. I don't want you to become part of something that reduces you to less than yourself Mm. y'all when I read this that was good I was just like whoa especially the part where it says i don't want you to become part of something that reduces you to less than yourself Mm -hmm. to me that just validates this whole journey this whole walk of christ like even though it is very difficult it's not something that's going to reduce us to less if anything we'll see an increase we'll see more we'll become more like christ this is the one way that we are united as a people. This is the way that we're related. And it's through Christ and through um, his sonship, through his word, through the lifestyle that he calls us to live. This is how we are united. And I feel like that just even more shows that we as Christians or as believers have to stick together and use that unity that we have in order to be able to cultivate to what God wants us to be. Um that's not something that we can do alone. We have to do it with God and we have to do it with people who are on this journey with us, who
1: are like-minded. yeah And so that's
0: just something that I wanted to leave with y'all. Um Jay, do you have any thoughts on this scripture that you want to share?
1: Yeah, that was so amazing. I have never read this in the message version ever. It oh was God. like it was like amazing something that um really i in, um pointed out to me was um So my dear friends, when you see people reducing God to something they can use or control, get out of their company as fast as you can. I'm assuming I'm addressing believers now who are mature. Draw your conclusions when we drink the cup of blessing. Aren't we taking into ourselves the blood, the very life of Christ? And isn't it the same with the loaf of bread we break and eat? And I like this part because it shows that One, people of this world or people who don't really value God or are not striving to build a relationship with God don't value him. And so they can literally disrupt our faith or our belief in God. Diminishing what God did on what Jesus did on the cross, and mm-hmm. even diminishing the things as he's identifying here, like the Last Supper, and you know, literally taking the body and eating it, and taking the blood and drinking it, and understanding that now these things are a part of us, they are us. Like, and mm-hmm. like, she, and like he said, um, like we are not diminishing God, Jesus, down to us, we are being brought up to Him. So that means that there is more expectation of us um, and more... Um, more emphasis on what we are really called to do and unbelievers or people who don't believe or have faith and are living for the world and whatnot, they can diminish those things. When we surround ourselves with people like that, they can diminish those things, not saying that we can't be around them, but also know your limit and understand what you can do, what you can say, who you can talk to all those kinds of things, because, they can shake you about. And it has happened. And it's happened to me, most definitely. I think that um it's so good that that um, Paul mentions this, because a lot of people don't really talk about that. Like there, mm-hmm. and I think that there's this stigma around believers hanging out with unbelievers, but God has called us to them. Like we yes. are not around believers so that we can help them. Like, yeah, we're helping them, you know, and, you know, we're getting together and, you know, praying and, and, and reading our Bibles and whatnot, and just creating family. But we're also called to the others because they're not going to save themselves, you know, and they're not going to know God, like we know God. And that's why we Mm -hmm. need to, you know, be a part of those um, conversations and, and be a part of them. But I definitely think Um, that there's a limit to that and understanding that is so important especially when it comes to abstinence and sex and and in general um, because being in some crowds can expose us to those things without even knowing like it may not even be um, an out front like sexual conversation. It may be like dancing that we see if we're in a club or something, or we're at a bar or whatever, whatever it may be like, and that's why we have to keep watch and, um, you know, really understand what God has called us to do and, um, what, um, Paul is saying in this, in this chapter. But I think that that was amazing. Like, keen like i don't even read the message version like that a lot uh but now i am (laughs) because (laughs) that was so good like it felt like i was reading like um like a self-help book or something like that just really reading me for filth, (laughs) like (laughs) real
0: yes that's what the bible will do it will definitely read you that is for sure okay so before we get out of here um is there any advice that you would give to someone who is like, okay, I didn't I know I'm not supposed to be having sex outside of marriage. I know that I'm not supposed to be doing those these things. I've already sat here for an hour and listened to this episode, but I'm still just not so like I don't I don't know if this is for me. Is there any advice that you have for that person who may be feeling this way?
1: Yeah, um the first thing that I would say is Um, It is for you. Um, It may not feel like it and it may not look like it, um, but you become a different version of yourself when you are abstinent. You are exposed to a lot of things that you struggle with when you are abstinent, even if it has nothing to do with sex. Mm-hmm. Your mind is clear in a different way than it is when it's clouded with lustful thinking or um, sexual induendos or whatever it may be. Like you are a totally different person and you will never see that until you get to the other side or at least step out in faith, you know. Mm-hmm. and. This is what God has not just called for you and I to do, but for the them or the listener um to do as well. And so I definitely think praying about it and just being honest with yourself and and believing that God will carry you th- through this thing because I didn't think that God would. I would have thought I would have slipped up a long <laughs> a long time ago, you know. And there are there have been slips up in the past um in the past without a doubt. Yeah, but. God is faithful. Um, And so, yeah, and I think also surrounding yourself around like-minded people, too, Um, Mm -hmm. and just being honest about this and being like, I don't see why this is for me, you know, and everybody's testimony is different. Everybody's Mm -hmm. story is different, and you don't know how you don't know what they're going to say, even if you heard it a million times, like you have no idea what they're going to say or how the Holy Spirit is going to lead them. And so I think being open to having these conversations and being open to experiencing a new version of yourself in the is also hyper, I don't want to say hyper sexualized, but hyper vigilant to us about being better versions of ourselves, like yeah. really being the best version of ourselves and, those who are engaging in in sexual mannerisms and whatnot or or in sex in general uh, they are hindered a little bit, especially if it's out of wedlock um if it's mm-hmm. outside of a covenant, you know and God also wants us to wait until have to have sex until marriage so that we can protect ourselves from, Um, battles that we could have when um, we do things outside of God's will. Um, And so I think that's also important to to take into consideration because spiritual warfare is no joke. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not fun. It doesn't feel good. (laughs) It comes at the least expected times. And when we expose ourselves to these things willingly, we are asking them to come in willingly and literally like, tornado like our whole entire house like just like just blow it up you know um but when we partner with God and we understand that he's trying to protect us he's not trying to hurt us he's not trying to limit us from doing certain things if anything he's trying to protect us and keep Mm -hmm. us safe and when I think about that I think about how loving and God really is, and how much He really cares about me in my soul. Like, He cares about my soul and where I'm going, and what I'm doing, and who I'm talking to, and who I'm entertaining. Like, God is our ultimate protector. And so I would definitely say that to the listener. And, um, you know, if you have any more questions, obviously Darian and I are available. Um, and I also think listening to this again and and because yeah. there's always something new that you will hear or that your ears will pick up on um, that God will point out to you Um but if that's what God has called you to do and you are feeling led, first of all, if you're even questioning it, yes, that's a clear <laughs> sign. That's a clear sign that God is calling you to that. Um, and just taking a chance, take a chance on God because he will never let you down.
0: Yes, that was said like so perfectly, <laughs> um, but I would just add on like, you know, just like Jade said, just give it a try. Like it doesn't hurt to try. Um, And I feel like as long as you keep God at the center of that, at the center of all things, he's going to help you. Like it's not in his will for you to fall. And so as long as you really lean on him and you get into community with the right people, like you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And like because we're living this lifestyle, we understand the struggle that's in it. We understand the pressure that um, society has placed on us. We understand just all of the things that come with it. And so, like Jade said, listen to this uh, episode again. There's also other um, great series on this, like by Redefine TV with Pastor Jerry Flowers. He has Mm -hmm. two um, volumes called The Cuffing Season. And he really talks about um, living an abstinence lifestyle and just other things that come with Um, a godly relationship um, and what happens, you know, when we do things outside of God's will. Same thing with um, Pastor Michael Todd with Transformation Church. He has two series um, called Relationship Goals and he even has a book about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just all of these tools um, that they have at your exposure. If you're ever curious, if you're thinking about uh, committing to this lifestyle, I will encourage you to just read all of the things, take in as much as you can, um because eventually it'll start to rub off on you eventually, your appetite, your desire will start to change, and you'll start to realize that like what was life even before this um mm-hmm. because there there is no other way to explain like the goodness of God that you. Feel when you're doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. Of course, like we make mistakes, that's just what it is. But when your heart is tied to it and you feel the love of God, you feel His mercy, His grace, and His forgiveness, like all the bad just doesn't weigh on you as hard as it would if you weren't in connection with God. And so, yes, I just encourage you to try it out, give it a try. And if yes. you need anything from me, feel free to. Hit me up on social media and we could talk about it. Um, I did joke about having like a support group or something. It wasn't (laughs) a joke. I still like do that. Um, I'm just trying to figure out the time um as far as like how I would do that or how in depth we would go about that. If you have any ideas or if God is placing it on your heart to start that, by all means, um let me know and we could talk about it. But yeah. Thank you, Jade, so much for coming on my podcast. Um, I don't know when I'm going to drop this, like, as far as the order, but this is the first podcast that I am recording of season two. So I'm just really excited yeah. about um, <laughs> how it has gone. Like, I think this conversation was very fruitful conversation and just very organic. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm on FaceTime with you.
1: <laughs> We're just having conversation. Yes. Thank you for having me. This has been so amazing. And um, it's even helped me a little bit, you know, I don't do a deep dive into my abstinence journey, and and just not and holding out on having sex and stuff. Like, I don't talk about it in this level. And so it's really helped me to really envision and understand, Mm -hmm. like, this and what this is and and the impact it's gonna have so i'm really glad and i hope that people are blessed by this and i'm excited that i was the first one period like (laughs) (laughs) i've been so special so thank you so much
0: of course and you are you are definitely a gem i always say that in our want you to hear from me if you don't hear from anybody else. You are definitely gifted and anointed and I wouldn't have anybody else to talk about this subject but you. So, thank I you. do thank you for coming on. Um before we close out officially, if you can just say a word of prayer um to the people who are listening, um a prayer of encouragement, just whatever God lays
1: on your heart. Yeah, of course. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, um, for the listeners that you are going to bring um, to hear about me and Darian's abstinence journey. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have opened up this new realm of desire um, to be more like you in their hearts, Lord. And I pray, God, um, that you press upon them even harder and help them to understand, Father God, that um, there will be um, loosing of demons. There will be generations curses that they will break there will be um, redemption um, there will be love and joy and peace that will um, that will be brought to them Lord as they walk through their abstinence journey Lord and they come um, to look like you more and more Lord I pray God um, that you just be with them Lord that you really be with them, God, that you be patient with them, Lord, and that you allow them to be patient with themselves, Father God, that there is no condemnation for those who live In Christ Jesus. And so I pray, God, that even if they slip, Father God, that they get back up and they continue to follow you, Lord. I thank you, God, for the testimonies that that are going to be built um, outside of this conversation, um, for the journeys that are going to be built outside of this conversation, Father God, that there is glory that is being brought to your kingdom. And once again, Lord, I just thank you, God, that you are so faithful, that you are so faithful to your people. People, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, um, that your will will be done in their lives, Lord. And I pray, God, that they fall into alignment with those things, Father God, that they do not get sworn um, back and forth with things of this world or um, attention seeking or even just natural desires that they have, Father God, but they bring them all to you. They surrender them all to you, Father God, um, and that their love grows for you deeper, Lord. I pray, God. Um, that there is no hindrance upon them to do these things in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you again, Jade. I Thank hope you guys you. enjoyed today's episode, and we will be back next week with another episode of Unfiltered Woman of Faith. Bye. Bye. <laughs>